0: are either one of these any good wow this is a good movie it's pretty good well the director from yesterday doesn't think so it stinks you sorry you waste all our film
1: (laughs) it's so bad
0: welcome in long awaited week on the screening room podcast been waiting for this one for a while welcome I am George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. And we are from MadWolf.com, and it's Blade Runner time. After all these years, 1982. Yeah. The original Blade Runner, Harrison Ford, Ridley Scott, it's become a classic. Been waiting on the sequel, it's here. It's called Blade Runner 2049.
1: Every civilization was built off the back of a disposable workforce. But I can only make so many. You're a cop. I did your job once. I was good at it. I know. What do you want? I want to ask you some questions.
0: I guess the first thing we should say about this is it's going to be a spoiler free discussion because, yes, boy, did they put the clamps down. <laughs> This time huh? we've we've been to a lot of movie screenings, but this one, holy moly, it felt like the FBI.
1: It's true. Well, I mean, we we I think go out of our way to make sure we don't give spoilers. Yes. And, and yes. the truth is, if I when I write a review, I try to keep the plot synopsis to a sentence or two at most, because I want to make sure that everybody going has the same opportunity to experience it the way I did. I that's just, right. I just want to help them figure out whether it's worth their time or not. That's right. Really and I, and I know
0: that, exactly. And uh, and that's what they. That's really what they said when the studio reps were there, and I totally, totally agree with that. But then after the movie was over, I they so kind
1: of—I <laughs> know they did it before we went in. They they read us a little statement or had us read a little statement about how they're hoping that we didn't give everything anyway. And then when we came out, they had a list of very specific plot points they were asking us not to mention. And right. this is—I mean, I don't think either one of those things have I ever come across. Yeah. But
0: yeah. So obviously they're concerned about the spoiler. And we, we you're right. We would never do that. And I, I hope other reviewers or people discussing won't do it. So but we will set the scene and a lot is already known, obviously Ryan Gosling. And it's no spoiler to say that Harrison Ford is back. We've seen that clearly in the trailers. So uh beyond that Ryan Gosling is kind of on a search.
1: Yeah. So he is a blade runner, as Harrison Ford's character, uh Decker, was in the first in the first installment. And he is looking for the last of the series of replicants that were made without a lifespan, without right. a termination. Because we can't have that. No. <laughs> and uh you know, as you may remember from the eighty two version, the the, the the man who created all the replicants, he dies. And it was his last generation of replicants, or the ones that don't have a, a lifespan. And then Jared Leto plays years later, the new mogul tycoon who comes in, and he builds replicants that have uh, a tendency to obey. And they're basically made en masse to help populate different planets, off world, they're called. And he's looking for a way to do more. He wants to, he's got quite a God complex. It's a really interesting character. Jared Leto is an interesting actor and it's an interesting character. But then Kay, which is Ryan Gosling's character, as he's as he's tracking down one replicant, he comes across something that's very startling and, and really kicks the mystery off. And it eventually leads him to... Harrison Ford playing Decker again 30 years later, and it's a it's a much bigger, more unwieldy, though well told story than the first time. And it also we for the, we get to leave L.A. Mm-hmm. So we get to see L.A. still very rainy, these big monstrous buildings and this this weird sort of degraded future world. But we also get to sort of take these flying cars to other areas. So it's not quite as claustrophobic or as noir-esque.
0: You might as well. You got a flying car. Let's take it out. That's right. Let's stretch its legs a little bit. But well, I, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: I was going to say, here is where the cinematography of, of Roger Deakins just comes into play.
0: Yeah. If you're not familiar with Roger Deakins, he is one of the most acclaimed cinematographers over a many-year career. And he's been nominated for an Oscar, I think, maybe 15 times. Wow. Something like that. 10, 12, 15, and he's never won. I could not believe that. His work is extraordinary. He's done a lot of work with the Coen brothers, uh, Fargo, the Big Lebowski, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? He's worked on House of Sand and Fog, No Country for Old Men, Revolutionary Road. I mean, just movies. Beautiful, 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 gorgeous films. Beautiful movies, and this one is no different.
1: Well, actually, maybe it is. It's so big. It's so panoramic, and and uh, and he does just the most phenomenal job of creating this otherworldly look, these huge, big, colorful, just iconic images, uh, one after the other. It is such an amazing film to look at. And then also, Denis Villeneuve is the director, who's great, did Sicario, did uh, Arrival last year, yeah. so another sci-fi flick. And then flick. he did
0: Prisoners, right. which, which is the first time he worked with Roger Deakins. And I, I will say that the first time we heard that this was finally getting a sequel, when I heard that he was the director, I thought perfect. all in that is a yep. visionary guy. Absolute. yes, yes, please. and exactly it, yeah.
1: that's exactly what it is. he's a, he's a visionary director, and that's what it took for this film. and and besides the visuals, it the sound I mean this film is so immersive. It's not an action movie. There is not a great deal of action. It right. is a long film, but you just feel really as I said just immersed in this amazing new world.
0: Yeah, that that's an important distinction that it's not really an action movie. It's more of a of a, of a thinking movie. And and Ridley Scott does have a hand in the movie. He's involved executive produced, yeah. Yeah, and I think you know, I think he was probably very concerned with advancing these themes and bringing in new themes and it is. It's it's more of a thinking movie than an action movie, but yet I don't, you know, it's it's long. You it mentioned is. it's long, it but is. it doesn't feel that long. I don't
1: think so. No, I mean, I I could have probably watched it for another hour. Uh, I found, and and the performances are great. Ryan Gosling is the perfect actor for this particular role, uh, and and the the performances around him, um, Robin Wright is yeah. great. Yeah, you know, and it's funny. Uh, Dave Bautista. Plays uh, the first replicant that he comes in contact with, and he chases down, and he looks so different yeah. that it actually took me a minute to realize that it was him. And he does a lovely job. Yeah, you know the performances top to bottom are great. But as good as the performances are, you there are a couple of there are three or four fairly substantial female roles in this film, and uh, and in the themes, I think that that uh, Villeneuve picks up on. He he, I think he he makes an attempt to. Examine what these same themes, uh, you know, creation, creation God God complexes list, yeah. God com- what how how they are different when they impact the female. yeah, I just think that he drops it too soon. i I feel like it's it winds up being a bit of a handicap, I think, to the narrative itself,
0: yeah, because we've we've talked, we were talking today before we started recording that when you think about a theme or of a movie where a a, a man, even going back to Frankenstein, yeah creating another man is one thing, but then when you get into a, a theme or a narrative of a man creating a woman, that brings in a whole new set of... Um, yeah, complications oh, and complexities. Yes.
1: And I, as we were saying earlier, as far as I'm concerned, the only film that has ever handled that hot topic really, really well is Ex Machina. Yeah, um, I think in almost every... And it's, of course, I mean, from Bride of Frankenstein forward, it, it gets brought up mm-hmm. a lot, a lot. And I really just think it's superficially handled in almost every other film and to a certain degree in this one as well.
0: Yeah, I think uh, you're right. It tries, it brings it up, tries to address, but doesn't do it as well. Next Ex Machina, let's be honest, they they address it at least a certain extent in Ex Machina with humor. Oh, yeah. Uh, and just embrace it full on, uh, which this one kind of, I guess you'd say, tiptoes around it a little bit to its detriment. Yeah. But still, that's not to... Not recommend the film. And by the way, thinking of Ryan Gosling and Harrison Ford, if you have not seen the interview where I don't know if they were drunk, where <laughs> they just the two of them end up into this giggling fit of ridiculousness. You got you gotta look it up. You gotta look it up on YouTube because it is a scream. But yeah, big Recommendations for Huge Blade recommendation. Runner 2049. And uh, let's see
1: if that uh, happy theme holds out for the next one. Stranded after a tragic plane crash, two strangers must forge a connection to survive the extreme elements of a remote snow covered mountain. It's the mountain between us. You really hurt your leg. Your phone smashed. My phone has no signal, and we're pretty high up on the mountain. If we stay here, we're safe. If we leave search and rescue, they're less likely to find us. Look, I don't want to die up here because you're too scared to take a risk. Someone's looking for us. The pilot didn't file a flight plan. Nobody knows where we are. We're all we've got, me and you.
0: Well, good news. If you've been not holding out for a Blade Runner sequel, but instead holding out for Castaway meets Nicholas Sparks, Here is your movie. You know, and I think it's pretty obvious why they're putting this one up against Blade Runner. You know, Blade Runner is going to get the audience. But if there's people out there who are just totally not interested in Mm sci-fi, and you want the Nicholas Sparks kind of thing, uh, this is for you. It's not, it is a novel. It's not a Nicholas Sparks novel. But I wasn't surprised when I saw the, the names of the two writers who adapted the novel. One of them has worked on Nicholas Sparks adaptations. So... He's got that sparks feeling (laughs) and it's certainly not that bad, but it is contrived and it is telegraphed, but it is saved really from the eye rolling dump heap of travesty by the two leads.
1: You know what? I'm going to stop you there. That actually almost makes me more mad. Because <laughs> yeah. so so Idris Elba is a remarkable talent, and he he simply doesn't make as many good films as he should. But Kate Winslet, yeah. come on, yeah. Kate Winslet, what are you doing in this movie?
0: Yeah, she is she plays Alex, a photojournalist, and she's going to get married the following day. But she's been on assignment. She's in Idaho. She needs to get back to Denver for the wedding. And uh, Ben, Doctor Ben, is Idris Elba. He's a neurosurgeon. He has to get to Denver tomorrow to perform some delicate surgery on a ten year old. So. They both though are stranded because of weather. All the flights are canceled. Nothing they can do. So uh, Alex overhears Ben's problem and approaches him with a you know a proposal. Maybe they could both chip in on the on the cost of a private plane, a charter plane, small plane, and they can both get to Denver since they're going obviously to the same place. So they hire Bo Bridges, Walter, a local pilot with a lovable pooch as his co-pilot. So they get <laughs> they get up in the air and they're up there about five minutes when Walter has a stroke. You
1: know what Walter could have used, George. An actual co-pilot.
0: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and you know what else he could have used? A flight plan, which he didn't file, which is awful convenient. I will give director Ani Abu-Assad, I hope I pronounced that right, a little bit of credit. He does stage a nifty crash sequence. It's pretty tense, pretty nicely done. And once they get stranded in the mountains there with the the two strangers and the dog, some majestic background, some scenery... But that's about it, because it is, like I said, very contrived. Things happen oh so conveniently. And again, it's telegraphed with this sort of melodrama leading into the Sparks neighborhood. Certainly not that bad. You don't have that... Well, there's no kissing in the rain because it's snowing. And there's no uh, ghost that shows up and leads them
1: where they need to go. There, there isn't one of those. Turn out that Bo Bridges is her dad right, or something. Right, yeah. that
0: would have been. Yeah, Sparks would have done that. <laughs> oh, he's not dad, and he's your dad. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's not one of those incredible callbacks like you're kidding me uh, that Sparks likes to do. But. It is certainly in that neighborhood, but somehow, you know, the talent. Let's let's face it. As you said, these these actors are extremely talented. They They're are extremely likable. Yeah. Just seeing them on the screen, they have a you know an effortless grace about them. Um, so you, they
1: do. Both of them really, do. really
0: do. They do. So, I would love
1: to see them both in a better movie.
0: <laughs> yes, and so would I. Because this is a type of movie. It really to 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 work. It is relying on the fact that you are going to go along with these two. Characters who are wary of each other to begin with they don't know each other as they reach each other It wants to reach you through that journey Mm -hmm. But it can't get there because the writing just the writing just isn't there Mm -hmm. if it were there these actors could deliver it I firmly believe that and in fact it, it, it is even more a testament to that because they're able to do as much With this as they do which makes you care a little bit about these characters as the completely predictable for the most part journey rolls on so if that's your kind of thing and you're really not uh, a sci-fi kind of person you might want to check out the mountain between us but i can't say that we recommend it. in fact we wouldn't no uh, but it is, is saved from outright laughingstock by the two leads who i agree with you we'd like to see them in better movies the one we didn't mention this week uh for a good reason is because we didn't see it it's the my little pony movie <laughs> and
1: um uh, they figure if you're gonna go see it if you have little kids or if you're a brony then you're gonna go And And otherwise, probably don't.
0: You know what? In full disclosure, one of our 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 son is twenty four years old, and one of his friends is a brony. So, well,
1: maybe he's not. Still, do you outgrow it? Is it something I don't know, or is it like a lifelong affliction? You're
0: a lifelong brony. Once you're in, you can't get out. (laughs) There's a movie right there. Maybe that's the (laughs) My Little Pony movie, and we're missing a great thriller starring Al Pacino going. (laughs) They pull me back in. Uh, We gotta digress. Hey, if you're a brony, if you love that stuff, God bless you. We didn't see it, so take that with what you will. But we did see some stuff coming out on DVD and home video this week, and there is some good stuff starting right at the top. Well, let's start with the one that really, well, I guess not a lot of people saw either one of these, but I think even less people saw Survivalist.
1: Yes, almost no one. I'm gonna go ahead and guess. Almost no one. It was a very, very small release film. It's an Irish movie. Loved it. I loved it so much. Uh, it's a post apocalyptic thriller it's not really sci-fi it's it's not really horror it's it's kind of an action movie it's it's very small incredibly well written incredibly well acted spooky uh, jarring difficult brilliant loved it the survivalist check it out
0: yeah that's and also another one of my favorite movies so far this year uh, a ghost story uh, not a lot of people saw that no. either. It is a Casey Affleck and Rooney Mara reunited, not only as co-stars, but with the director from the movie they co-starred in, which is Ain't Them Body Saints. Which
1: no one saw either, and is also awesome.
0: Also very good. David Lowry is the director and writer. And it's the story of Casey Affleck's, basically, his spirit, his white-sheeted ghost of a spirit just wandering through time and space as he observes how his wife, Rooney Mara, continues with her life. And then he does a little time traveling, and it's, it's just so abstractly beautiful and moving. I thought it, it, I'm, I'll be honest. It's not going to be everybody's bag. It's very slow. Um, not a lot of dialogue. It certainly not sp- doesn't spoon feed you at all. I mean, no. there's one there's one monologue uh, by a different character, really, by just a, a, a really uh, just a one off character that kind of tells you where the movie's head is at. But other than that, it just moves along at its own pace, and and the themes kind of just float in and out. I love the ending. Um, I just loved it, loved it, loved it. One of my favorites of the year.
1: Yeah, I think right now it's it's probably it's it's firmly in our top five. probably oh, for both of us in the top two.
0: Oh yeah, it's it's right up there, right up there. And that's a ghost story. We would recommend that. Not so much recommendation for Goon, Last of the Enforcers, and this one disappointed me because we loved the original we Goon. We
1: really did. It was so charming. And loved fun. it. It
0: was Sean William Scott playing the hockey player. Did a great job. He made you. He and the film. Made you care about this lovable loser because it made him more of a lovable loser, and it gave you a reason to root for him yeah. as he got it fought his way through minor league hockey. And it was one of those where I started watching it. I think it was about eight years ago or so. And then you you get about half an hour into it, and you say, you know, this isn't bad to yeah, me. This I think, is pretty
1: good. I, think I like this because I
0: wasn't expecting much, so I was really hopeful for this sequel. Unfortunately, it it loses the original. Uh, Charm, charm, Charm. yeah. Jay Baruchel is the is the not only the co star again, but this time he takes over as director and one of the writers, and it just loses all the charm. All it wants to do is just poke fun at this guy now and just make stupid, you know, bathroom frat humor. yeah. Yeah, and it lost all the charm, everything that made the first one so so likable to begin with. So really disappointed in Goon, Last of the Enforcers, but not as much as we were disappointed in the latest Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales.
1: Oh, Javier Bardem! Don't you know that you are Javier Bardem? <laughs> what are you doing in this flaming turd of a film? Oh. oh, my God. It's the fifth. It's the fifth. Pirates of the Caribbean. You know, and I, I, I'm going to lie to you. We loved the first one. Loved it. I didn't expect to. I thought it was a blast. Loved I thought it, it was wonderful. There are a couple of the but, sequels I didn't hate. But by this point, it's honestly, just... the the thing I hated the most, and I hated a lot, was that the, the character at this point of, of Jack Sparrow actually seems like the character itself is poking fun at right. Johnny Depp and it's, who Johnny Depp has turned into. Exactly. And to me, as a longtime Johnny Depp fan, who is sorry to see what he's turned into, that made me sad.
0: Yeah, it has. It's turned into a caricature of itself. All the fun is gone. You're just you're just kind of shaking your head at it. Except for, I will say, I will still give it some props for some of the visual effects. Sure. I did like those. But other than that, oh my, it, it should just be Pirates of the Caribbean. Can we stop now? Please, Please. Can we stop? So... Big thumbs down on that, but uh, on DVD, home video, please check out Survivalist and a Ghost Story. We love those. Next week, looking forward to, well, we're, we're looking forward to three, and one is very apropos because it is Halloween, and Friday, next Friday, is Friday, Friday the 13th, 13th. So we got to have a horror movie, and we've got one called Happy Death Day.
1: And then there's also uh, another historical biopic starring...
0: Chadwick Boseman.
1: Because he stars in every <laughs> historical biopic that's ever made. But, you
0: know, he's solid. And he this is. one this one is Marshall, uh, after a Supreme Court Justice Thurgood Marshall. So looking forward to that. And also Jackie Chan kicking some A. It's going to be his version of Taken, I'm thinking. Yeah. And this is called The Foreigner. So those are the three major films that are on the docket for next weekend. But the big one, Blade Runner, give it a big thumbs up this week. Uh, the Mount- one of the
1: best of the year.
0: One of the best. Well, the Mountain Between Us. Not so much, but let us know what you thought. Best way to keep the conversation going for us, as always, is on Twitter, and that's at Mad Wolf M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F. It's Mad Wolf Columbus on Facebook. You can find all the written reviews and a bunch of fun. You can also find our other podcast if you're a horror movie fan. We were talking about horror movies, and this is a great month for them. You can check out our other podcast that deals exclusively with horror movies, and that is called Fright Club. You can find that on the website as well, and that is at MadWolf.com. Until next week, love to hear from you. The Screening Room Podcast is a presentation of the Columbus Radio Group and MadWolf.com. She is Hope Madden.
1: He's George Wolf,
0: And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but
1: I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye.